Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Well, that's a good segue. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are on our journey through the book of Acts, looking at foundations of our faith, and, and at the same time, we're also taking a look at what's the DNA of Emmaus Road Church. So what, what sets us, what, what if we, um, what's at the core, the center of who we are as a people of God in this particular place? And so we've been looking at hospitality. Today, we're going to look at prayer. If you're not aware, Emmaus Road is part of the 24-7 prayer movement. That is an international movement. We work in over a hundred countries. We have 20 national offices and we've been praying nonstop night and day. This will be going towards our 25th year. And you guys are a local expression of a global movement. Animaeus Road Church started with a handful of people who said, we just want to pray together and see what God would have in his heart and his mind for this city. So that's who you are. That's where you came from. This is what we want to continue to remind you of and help you grow into, into the future. So I'm going to read a passage from the book of Acts. Turn with me, if you will. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. It'll come up on the screen. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign God, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David, saying, why do the nations rage? And the people's plot in vain, the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did, that, they did what, what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where their meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So we're going to talk a little bit today about praying boldly. How do we pray with boldness? And we're going to look at, at this passage just to see how what we can learn from it. So just so you know, this is prefaced by Peter and John had been dragged in front of the religious authorities and, um, and really condemned for preaching Jesus, condemned for preaching the gospel. They had been threatened and said, we just, you can't go, you can't do this anymore. He's dead and gone. And, and, and they just sent him back, sent them back to their people with that injunction not to preach the gospel. And so this is their response, and I, and I think that, that three things that I want to pull from this prayer that will be helpful for us, um, they, they, there are three questions, really. So number one, who's your crew? Who is your crew? Who is your people? Who's your gang that you want to pray with? Who is your crew? Number two, what is your story? 
And we're going to look at how they found themselves in God's story. And number three, where is your focus? So number one, who is your crew? It's lovely. We had the, the opportunity to pray for you Medair guys uh, at, at morning prayer. It was interesting. Years ago, probably about four years ago, as, as uh, you know, they, they brought me here to Emmaus to try and catalyze prayer here in the life of the congregation. And so Pete and I were scheming and plotting about what we could do to see more prayer happen in the life of Emmaus. And Pete said, you know what? We really need to do 8 a.m. prayer. He'd seen it somewhere else at another church, thought it was a great thing. 8 a.m. prayer every day, just get everybody up at Emmaus Road, and we'll pray at 8 a.m. And me, with my great faith, said, Pete, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. We're a commuter church, right? People are on, how many's on their train going into London at 8 a.m.? Bunch of you, right? Or we got lots of moms with kids. It's a school run time, right? Who is going to manage to pray at 8 a.m.? But he kept coming back, and he's very, he pesters you. Anybody ever been pestered by Pete? Yeah, totally. It's like 8 a.m. prayer, 8 a.m. prayer. I'm like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And then one morning I woke up and the Lord said to me, or I felt like the Lord saying to me, so Jill, you need to stop saying that 8 a.m. prayer isn't going to work. I was like, oh, shoot. Okay, sorry. <laughs> All right. I have no idea how it's going to work. How are you going to do this? I, I just, I, it's inconceivable to me. But, but okay, let's see what happens. And, uh, and then suddenly... There's this little thing called a global pandemic. <laughs> small thing. Small thing. But suddenly, all the people are not commuting into London, right? And all you parents are having the blessing of homeschooling your children at home <laughs> rather than doing this school run. And we realize it's time. It's time for 8 a.m. prayer. And, uh, and so we went online. We, we, we called it the upper Zoom. And... Uh, <laughs> And we went morning and we went evening. And you know what? We've been praying every day. I take a little summer break, a little Christmas break. But other than that, every single day, morning and evening, 8 a.m. in the morning, 9 p.m. in the evening, since our first lockdown in the upper Zoom. And it's been really extraordinary. And, and um, on, on Fridays, we have, you know, our, our, our guest day. We open wide the prayer room to the world, and we invite people in from Medair and our 24-7 family from overseas and local pastors in this area and have that opportunity to pray for people in. And, and uh, yeah, we just do lots of different kinds of prayer um, every single day. And, and I, I found that how, how many of you during COVID were kind of like up and down in your mood besides me? No, you had total equilibrium. You were like happy and content. You weren't stressed at all the whole time? Okay. So um, I, I, just my confession, I think there were times where, where um, actually I remember when, when um, it was like, okay, we're going to start morning prayer. We need to really gear up prayer in response to global pandemic. And I felt actually, in my, I had this first uh, um, enthusiasm, and I felt like Liam Neeson in, in the movie Taken. That's right. I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> and I just knew that my particular set of skills were going to be useful in this season and mobilizing prayer. And, and, and uh, we did it with the Order of the Mustard Seed. We did it 24-7. We did it at Emmaus Road. But I didn't feel that, that kind of enthusiasm and that boldness and that kind of feistiness in my spirit the whole time. Sometimes I would just wake up and I feel like my get up and go had got up and left. Anybody experience that besides me during COVID? 
get up and go, had got up and left. And so all I could do was sort of, and I knew I had to be at the prayer meeting. I was chatting with Pete, and, and he said, uh, Pete said, you're going every day? And I said, well, we're asking people to come every day. So yeah, I'm going every day. And so I would go every day. And, and, uh, and, and honestly, you guys, sometimes I was just dragging my sorry butt out of bed in front of that Zoom screen. You know, but I discovered in the midst of that, that the times when my get up and go got up and left, there was someone in that prayer room, somebody in that Zoom meeting who was like fiery, you know, all I had to do was look for like big blonde hair. You know, we had Sally Webster, <laughs> Jane Spiro, she's fierce. Anyway, just amazing. You know, Louise, not blonde, but you know, just poofy hair anyways. And, and so... <laughs> You'd have these people who just, I was just like, okay, Lord, I'm here, you know. And, uh, but somebody in the room would be on fire. Somebody in the room would be on fire. And so for those of us who are wanting to grow in our ability to pray boldly, we need to find our crew. We need to find our people. Because we're not always going to feel like praying, and we're not always going to have the ability to pray in faith and boldness. But if we pray together... We will find that. God will give us to, get to us as a community. Right? The scriptures are clear. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. So who is your crew? So if you don't have a crew, no problem. Eight o'clock every morning on, in the upper Zoom. <laughs> it's on the website. Come and join the morning prayer crew. We're happy to have you. We have people actually who do it on their commute, their London commute in the morning. They just, they just come off camera, and they're just on the train doing morning, morning prayer with us. And other people doing the school run, it's really fun watching people doing the school run on morning prayer because they usually just put their phone on their chair. And you can always tell if they've got a convertible or not because then the blue sky is just flashing on the, on the screen. All are welcome. Who's your crew? It doesn't even have to be morning prayer. I had... Um, a friend of mine were chatting one day, probably about three years ago, and we were noticing that, that whenever we would move forward in ministry and take ground for the kingdom, it felt like our kids took a hit, right? Something would happen to our kids, and we were like, what the heck? This is just not okay. This is not okay. We just feel like the enemy is just going after our families, and, and we're just like, yeah, you know what? We're so done with that. And so what we did, and we did it for over three years, Monday to Friday every morning, we would call each other 7.30 in the morning for 10 minutes. And we'd pray for each other's children's, and then we prayed for Pete and Sammy's kids too, because, you know, we should be praying for our pastors, right? You all pray for your pastors here? If you don't, you should. Um, and so that was my crew. That was my praying for my family crew. And we did it every day. And we just, it was, I've learned actually short, it's amazing what God can do in 10 minutes. Anybody who does the Lectio 365 app, it's amazing what God can do in 10 minutes, right? So I found my crew, my praying for my family crew. So if any of you guys who are worried about what, you know, your kids or your grandkids or everything, find one other person. Find five minutes in a day, 10 minutes in a day. Do it consistently. Find your crew and pray with boldness. Woking Church, um, they decided there was one of the, the parents who was concerned about prodigal children. You know, they're just seeing that, you know, their kids drifting off and leaving faith behind. And so, so they started a prayer meeting just for parents with prodigal kids. And, and it just, they were just shocked at their response and how many people wanted to come. And, and so we are a praying church. 
I, I, I can't stand before you going, oh, you know what? You guys should learn how to pray. Because we are. We're a praying church. We're praying people. We do it in our collectives. We do it morning prayer. We do it in our services. So you can always find somebody to pray with here. You just have to like, you know, anyway, you just turn the person beside you and say, you know, we could probably pray together. You don't have to, but you can. <laughs> Husbands, wives, you know, find your crew. Find your crew. We need one another. It's accountability, right? You could do the couch to 5K on your own. And you may do it. You may not do it. The app can help you. But if you've got a buddy who's showing up at your door 6 a.m. every day to go for a run with you, all of a sudden you're motivated, right? So if you're struggling to be motivated to pray with boldness, Find your crew. That's number one. So they found their crew. See, the disciples went back together. They went back to their own people. They said, Here what, here's what's going on, and now let's pray together. Right? They found their crew. They got strengthened by them, and they prayed with boldness. So number two, what's your story? What is your story? It's interesting in this passage. They, as soon as they, they prayed, they begin to situate themselves within the story of God. They started, Sovereign Lord. That's their first declaration. God is sovereign. Sovereign Lord. <laughs> you made heavens and earth and the sea and everything in them. And you spoke to your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And, and what he's doing here is, is they're praying. They're quoting Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? So when they're praying, when they're praying with boldness, it's easier to pray in boldness if you understand where you are, where you're going and who's going with you? They situated their need. They situated their, their, their situation in the overarching narrative of God's plan on the earth. They understood in this place of need, this place of vulnerability, was tied to the fact that they had been invited by God to be gospel champions. To bring the good news of Jesus to the world. And so for those of us, when something happens in our lives and there's setbacks and there's challenges, it can help us pray with boldness when we could situate ourselves in the story that we have been called to be gospel champions. We've been called to bring and to bear and to manifest the kingdom of God and the good news of Jesus to redeem everything to him. That's your call. Every single one of you, whether you were doing it in the banking industry, whether you're doing it as a plumber, whether you're doing it as a grandparent, whether you're doing it as a pastor, a CEO working for an NGO, you are a gospel champion. You're a champion of the gospel. You've been called and created to be and to bring the good news of Jesus. And so anytime there's some, something into your life that you need to pray about, you need to situate yourself in that story. So that makes sense. You know who you are. You know whose you are. You know where you're going. You know where it's going to end up eventually. And they situate themselves in the story of God. And it emboldens them. They, they declare the goodness of God. That he's a God over heaven and earth. And, uh, and I, I think about some of the, the, where I've been inspired by the, the prayer movement. Is this little village in Hernhut, Germany. And we've told this story to you many times. I'll tell it again. But there was this little community in the 1720s, 1730s who decided that they, they had, the Holy Spirit had filled them as a community 
and they were experiencing God's presence in a particular way amongst themselves, and they decided that our response to God's invitation is going to be prayer, and they organized themselves into night and day prayer. And they then prayed as a community, as a little village group of people, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for over 100 years. That's the story of Hernhut. And and not only did they pray 24-7 for over 100 years, but what happened was that prayer room became an incubator for gospel champions. Because what happened was when they prayed and when they prayed, "Lord, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God's like, right, okay, we've got that here. How about in Greenland? Or how about South Africa? Or how about the Danish West Indies? When they stepped into God's loving gaze, when they stepped into that place of prayer, God gave him his heart, gave them his heart for the nations and compelled them, propelled them out. So this place of prayer, this incubator of bold prayer ends up, this incubator of prayer ends up being this place where we are raised up and sent out. So every single one of you is being raised up to be sent out in whatever field, right? In whatever field, in whatever sphere of of the world that you find yourself in. Because the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, right? Right? Even if you're working at McDonald's, your corner of McDonald's (laughs) can be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. But it's in these communities that are prayer incubators that we get filled up, we get sent out, we situate ourselves in God's story, and then we become a living letter. So number three, so first we did who's your crew, what's your story, and number three, where's your focus? I, uh, I think what's so interesting in this passage in Acts is they don't circle the wagon. They, 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 don't, they don't say, oh God, uh, please protect us because the religious authorities are mad at us and bad things could happen. They, that's not how they pray, right? And it's like, Lord, would you consider their threats and then let your people, pe- let your people speak with boldness. So they're not on the defensive they are on the offensive. And I think often when, when things come our way in situations, we will circle the wagons. We will go into self-defense mode. We will go into self-preservation mode. But that's not how these believers postured themselves. Because they understood where they were in the grand narrative of God's saving work on the earth. They understood that they were not born into peacetime. That they were born into a time where the kingdom of God was advancing forcefully advancing and they understood that this wasn't a time to be passive they understood it wasn't a time to hide they'd done that before the holy spirit was poured out right you know they hid they they fled they dispersed but then after having encountered the resurrected jesus after having been filled with the holy spirit they weren't on the defensive anymore They weren't on the back foot. They were on the front foot saying, you know what? Regardless of what happens, we are moving forward. Regardless of what happens, we are going to proclaim the name and the goodness of Jesus. Regardless of what happens, we are going to pray with boldness and declare our inheritance is let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. 
I, uh, I once spoke to, uh, I, I heard this pastor preach. He was funny. He was this funny little guy, um, very sort of bouncy. You know, pastors who sort of bounce across the platform and, and stuff. Anyway, he's a bouncy guy. And, and, but he had this wonderful phrase that I will, I will never forget. He said this, and, and he did this with his hands. He would, wait, I'll put the mic down. So he made little binoculars with his hands. And he he goes, you know what you can do? He said, you can magnify the problem. What happens when you magnify a problem? Gets bigger, right? He says, you can magnify the problem. He said, or you can magnify the Lord. What happens when you magnify something? It gets bigger. Right? People say the word fear really means false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. So we're going to pray with boldness. We need to start by magnifying the Lord. Right? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God is sovereign. He is over every ruler, every authority, every power. Right? We know that at the end of all time, Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We need to magnify the Lord instead of magnifying the problem. Because when you magnify something, it gets bigger. And so I'm going to give us a little prayer practice to do right here and right now. Is that okay? So I want you to think about the biggest problem in your life right now. Take a minute. Everybody got it? It's the biggest problem you probably don't need to think about. It's probably like there as soon as you. <laughs> right? Biggest problem in my life right now. Okay. So now, see, here's what's, what's so fun about this. And, and this is where we learn so much from other cultures because I love praying with people who come from Africa or from the Caribbean. They're just amazing because I remember the first few times I was praying with people from these cultures and, and, and it was astonishing because there was the preach that was also part of the prayer. And, and what, what I found they were doing was they, they would, you know, we go into prayer and they would talk about, they would talk to the problem about God before talking to God about the problem. Does that make sense? So talking to the problem about God before talking to God about the problem. And so it wouldn't be like, oh Lord, you know, I just pray for Aunt Susie who is, I don't know, lonely. It'd be like, God, you are you know, you are the, the defender of the widow, Lord. You are the God of compassion and, and the God of all comfort. Father, you come, you draw near the brokenhearted. All right, so they would talk to their problem about God. And so when you think of your biggest problem, and I'm going to invite you all to stand up. This is very non-British. This is okay. You can do it. I love this in the Acts passage. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Oh, look at that. It's biblical for us to all pray out loud all at the same time. So what we're going to do is I want you to think about your biggest, biggest problem. And now I want you to talk to your problem about God and declare over your problem in your own heart and your own life the sufficiency and the strength and the power and the beauty and the wonder and the majesty of a God who is larger than all of our problems. And who is at work on the earth making all things new. You ready? Could do it? You understand? All right. One, two, three, go.
Amen. Now, how does that feel once you've done that? Anybody? Sorry? Feels great. Why does it feel great? You feel peace about it. Okay, good. Somebody else. How does it feel doing that? Sorry? Not your problem anymore. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah. Truth over lies. You've got truth over lies. Exactly. Brings perspective on things, isn't it? So, guys, if you were to do one thing, you could sit down. You could sit down. If you're to do one thing going forward as a little prayer exercise, maybe do it in your collectives next time. If we want to pray with boldness, let's talk to our problems about God rather than talking to God about our problems. Right? We'll give that a go. Finally, in terms of where your focus is, and I'll just wrap up with this. We just know as we look into the rest of the scriptures that we are not praying for a God who's far away, who doesn't care. We pray to a loving, generous Heavenly Father. That's the kind of God that we're praying to, right? Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more <laughs> will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? We are praying under the light of His loving gaze of a loving, generous Father. We are praying to a merciful God who knows our weakness. Hebrews 4, verses 15 to 16. We do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Then, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I want to just finish by telling you my very, you want to hear the story of my very favorite prayer meeting ever, my whole entire life? My very favorite prayer meeting. Um, it was so good. I just, I get weepy just thinking about it. We had a family, and, and I think probably she's come and story, told the story here, Beth Atherton. She came and told the story here. I'm just want to, I'll just refresh it a little bit from the perspective of someone was praying along with. So one of the, one of the moms in our congregation, in the Aldershot congregation, beautiful woman of prayer, uh, she and her husband Paul found themselves pregnant, baby number three, and, uh, and along the way got some doctor's reports, some terrible doctor's reports, essentially saying that there's, there's a, a chromosomal issue and the baby is going to die in utero, um, and if it doesn't die in utero, it's just going to die right away when it's born. It's brutal. So painful, so painful. And you know what? These guys were so, and, and the community was so amazing because she found her crew. They found their crew. They got a praying group of people around them. They situated themselves in God's story. This little baby, they found out she was a girl and, and they, they called her Hope. The one that the doctors were calling dead. She called, they called her Hope. And, uh, and they focused, they did their very best in the midst of, of horrific reports from doctors and stuff to put their focus on God and where God was at work and his capacity and his ability to bring good out of the situation. And I was part of a little prayer crew that was in a, in a Zoom prayer meeting. How many of you were in that Zoom prayer meeting? Oh, there's probably a couple who were, were there. Yeah, Michael. Anyway, astonishing meeting. But, but eventually, um, the, the baby did perceive to, um, to live through the gestation. And at the end, we had to do a, an emergency C-section. And so this was make it or break it moment. They'd said, I mean, they got the hospice all set up. They'd said that this baby was going to die. 
at birth. And uh, so we had this little Zoom meeting. So we, we found out that she had her, her emergency C-section. So a bunch of us got together in the upper Zoom. And we just, we just started praying and declaring and entreating God, you know, that, 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 uh, that he would do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think. And this is the wonders of modern technology. We were able to do it on Zoom from our homes. I was actually up in Nottingham at the time. And, uh, but then we had little WhatsApps coming at us from Paul, who was with you know, with his wife in the, in the surgery. And, and, uh, and there was this moment that just took our breath away. So we're interceding. And then all of a sudden, a photo comes up on our WhatsApp. And it's, it's a photo of um, Hope being lifted up out of her body, out of the C-section. I can't show it to you because it's just too intimate. But, but, but literally, as, as they lifted her up, and she was, had her arms splayed out, and she was alive. And she was alive, and, and, uh, and we just literally, moments after her birth, and we all in the prayer meeting, we completely <laughs> fell to bits. And we were just like weeping and bawling and praising God, and it was the most astonishing, astonishing thing. And it turned out that the doctors were wrong, and she didn't have this chromosomal disorder, and she's just, she's just, a, she, I mean, she's, she's cute as a button running around, and um, yeah, so, so good. That was my favorite prayer meeting. That was my favorite prayer meeting. <laughs> so let's be a people who prays boldly, shall we? Let's be a people who understands that we are actually here in this praying church, in this praying place, in, a, in an incubator that raises up gospel champions to go out into all the world bearing the good news of Jesus, either to the nations or to your neighbors. Be encouraged that here there's a big crew of praying people. If you want to find someone to pray with, you can find them. They are all over this room. So find your crew to pray with. And let's focus on who God is and his worth. I just loved the worship this morning. I just felt like, oh, it couldn't have been more. Whoever picked the songs, thank you. Just Because it's just so much, God, you know, you could do it. You were doing it. You are worthy and you are great. And uh, I just want to cheer you on. Also, just uh, a reminder, one of the things that we love about uh, 24-7 prayer, and, and it's the way we do it here at the church, is we actually have weeks of 24-7 prayer. And so ours is launching here, the Guilford one, on the 14th of October. If you have not signed up yet for your hour prayer slot, bring your crew, bring your people. You know, I think students should just take the whole weekend and park out, you know, camp out, get some pizza and fill it up and then... And, uh, um, but, but do take some time together as we join together as a congregation, night and day, as together we, we, we reach out to heaven and bring it down to earth. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And may we grow together in bold prayer. Now let me just pray for you. Everybody stand up again. All right, so... I would encourage you, if you're comfortable, to just kind of spread your hands out to the Lord. Because in this prayer that these guys prayed in Acts, they prayed that they'd be able to speak with boldness. And the Holy Spirit came in that prayer meeting. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So Holy Spirit... We've been entreating, we've been inviting you to, to come in all of your fullness in this space, in this church family, in this congregation.
Lord, we want to be gospel champions. We want to be those who shine like children of light in a dark generation while we hold forth the word of light. We desire, God, to be men and women who will boldly go, boldly speak, boldly pray. Holy Spirit, come and fill us with your boldness with a spirit of adventure, with confidence, with faith, with love, and with power, we pray. To the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.